We'll now read from Hebrews 12, 18 to 29, and I'm reading from the NIV. The mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, thanks again for being with us this day. It is a good time to be a Toronto sports fan. I like the Blue Jays. This could be a good year. They got pitching, got hitting. Steve, you know about all these sorts of things. Pretty good team. And the Leafs, all right. You know, I'm, I used to be an amazing Leafs fan, okay? When I was, I remember when we won the Cup a few times. I was like, what, 12 or 13, something like that. I don't know. Long time ago. And then with the Leafs, of course, they haven't done very well for many, many years, so I'm, I just sort of slipped away. Okay, slipped away. Met some friends I used to sing with recently, and one person said, are you still a hockey fan? I said, not really. But if the Leafs keep going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the finals, Steve. We'll watch the finals. The Raptors are, you know, kind of middle of the road, but they'll be there. Give them a bit more time. I'm rooting for Becky Hammond as the new coach. You know, Becky Hammond is a very strong Christian, wonderful Christian. She was an assistant coach in San Antonio for a while, and a number of years actually, and then uh, now she's coaching in the women's NBA in Las Vegas, but uh, they're maybe going after her. So wouldn't that be cool to have a strong Christian leading the Raptors? And she's not shy about her faith. She puts it right out there. In fact, she says, I have two worlds. I have basketball and I have my faith. But 
I try to integrate them as much as possible. So that's my reality, faith and basketball. So I think that's kind of cool. New York Times did a uh, major, or the New Yorker did a major article on her a couple of years ago. So today we're looking at what about worship? <clears throat> so we've, we've looked at Easter, right? So Easter is a major, the major time in the liturgical calendar. And the Easter season actually goes for seven weeks right up to Pentecost. So we're still in the Easter season liturgically. And so what we've been asking over these last few weeks is, what's the, what is the what if? What does it mean for us then? If Christ has been raised, he has broken through the death barrier, and we will follow him, then what does that really mean in our day to day? So that's what we're talking about, trailblazing. Because Christ is the trailblazer. He is the pioneer of our faith, and we are following him. That's, those are the kind of images that Hebrews uses. And I'm suggesting that maybe Hebrews was written by Priscilla. So uh, you can think about that. <clears throat> I like this also. Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, one of the great American poets. Beth knows Frost very well. Two Roads, this is part of his famous poem, The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. It's a great line. I don't know, was Frost a Christian? No, yeah, but you know, he had a moment of insight here for sure. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So Hebrews 12, as we are looking through here, we're going to see a contrast of two roads or two mountains. And the two ways are the way of distance, separation, exclusion, meaning that we choose distance from God. We choose to be independent. We choose to go our way. We choose to say, my kingdom, not your kingdom. The other way is the way of closeness, the way of intimacy, the way of inclusion. So we'll see this in a moment, but I, I think these two paths are very real for all of us. And not just at the beginning, all the way through our lives. Because we may be on the way of closeness, but at times we are very much tempted by the way of distance. Things challenging, things can come, in our, come up in our lives, and we say, where are you, God? Where are you, God? And we kind of start moving the other direction. We move away. He's not there with me when I need him. So we know theologically God is always with us, but we can at times feel the absence of God. He's there, we know, but we can feel he's absent. So these two paths are kind of there in the background as we go. The way of distance, separation, exclusion. The way of closeness, intimacy, inclusion. So let's look at some of that. We'll just read this first to set up the the way, the mountain of Sinai, for they could not endure. This is looking back to Exodus 19 and 20, all right? The, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the birth of the nation of Israel. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. 
Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Interesting, we can't find that verse, I tremble with fear, anywhere in the Old Testament. So, but that was his feeling, this writer is saying, that Moses was filled with fear. Makes sense. I'm going up this mountain and it looks like it might be an active volcano and it's spewing fire and there's smoke and there's thunder and loud sounds. It would be scary to go up there. I'm sure he was trembling with fear. But the idea is that God, you know, God is revealing himself in a very powerful way to the nation of Israel. This goes back 3,500 years, right? 2,000 years to Christ, 1,500 years before that to Moses. It's a long time ago. Israel's not even a nation yet. And God is speaking to them. So, the way of Sinai, Mount Sinai, the Old Covenant. And so the Old Covenant is characterized by distance. It's characterized by all kinds of rules. You know, Exodus 19 and 20, the Ten Commandments, but all the commandments beyond that. I have to keep all these rules, all these rules, all these rules. Otherwise, I'll, I'll sense distance. And so there's a sense of distance and separation. I remember when I was at Humber College in the music program, having coffee with a very, very fine piano. He's gone to, on to have a long career in jazz. He's a, a known name in the city of Toronto. And we were having coffee, and we were talking about faith. He was a Christian of another denomination that had lots of rules. I won't mention who, who it is, but that was it. And there was a big emphasis on 144,000 people who will be accepted at the end. You can maybe think about it from there. And he was saying to me, Alan, I don't think I can do it. It was a, a sad moment, really. I don't think I can do it because I'm, I'm not one of the 144,000. He's just a young guy, right? He's 20 years old, 21. What do we know about everything? We're just talking. I don't think I can do it. I know who I am. I'm not, I'm not that group. And, and, you know, at, at that point, he just kind of basically kind of gave up in terms of his faith. I can't do it. So, living by fear. It was fear. He couldn't keep all the commandments. That's what this gentleman's name was. It's Frank was his name. So Frank kind of gave up. Hopefully, now, maybe he's come around. That was a long time ago. But fear we can also adopt, Right? Fear in our own lives, fear of the unknown, fear of change, fear of risk, fear of sickness, fear of money issues, relationship issues, challenges in, our, in all the dynamics that are close to us. We become fearful. So we always struggle with that a little bit, I think. We're always tempted to go to fear. Make that our mantra. And what happens when we're fearful? Well, we just kind of close ranks, right? We just don't, we get really afraid. If you're so afraid, so afraid, you won't even go outside your, your house or your apartment because you're just too afraid. Anything could happen. 
And so Sinai is characterized by fear, and we can also embrace that even today. 3,500 years later, in our own way, we embrace the mountain of Sinai, the mountain of fear. I tremble. So the writer, maybe Priscilla, talks about faith that way. But then there's a contrast. But you have come to Mount Zion. Zion is also Sion, S-I-O-N. So it's Sinai and it's Sion, or Zion. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, in joyful gathering. Angels having a good time praising God. That's the picture. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember last week we ended with Esau. And so the writer now picks up Abel, their brothers. And so that, that story of Esau and Abel and their offerings to God, way an ancient story. That is in the background of our text here. So we have another mountain then, the way of Zion, the way of Sion, the new covenant. So the new covenant... Jeremiah talks about that, a new covenant where we will all know God, be with him, smiling. God in our hearts, he will walk with us and we will walk with him. Characterized by joy and not by fear. So can we live our lives with joy? Can we live our lives with a smile? Even though there's going to be lots of discouraging things that happen in our lives, can we still embrace joy? What do you think? Can we embrace joy? Joy is pretty powerful, right? Yikes. Can you say, I want to live a joyful life? I live a joyful life. We want to do that, I think, but it's pretty hard to say, right? That's just such a powerful word. But yet the angel's festival there is joy, characterized by joy. And so the idea is that there's a better way. There's a way of access, of intimacy. Better, that word is used, I think, 13 times in Hebrews. A better way. It's better. God has done this new work, a better work, that we might really know him in a close way. So it's, it's this position of intimacy and access not just a high priest going into the holy holies once a year we can all go into the holy of holies through jesus note who is our mediator he makes the way jesus breaks through the death barrier and we follow him that that's our great hope it's a better way so can we live with that sense of a better way in our hearts and can that lead us in the way of happiness and joy. We might not say joy, but happiness. We all want to be happy. Everybody on planet Earth wants to be happy. Eight billion people now, I think, or seven. I don't know where I get lost. Seven or eight. It's a lot. And we all want to be happy. So can our faith, can Jesus, can the Spirit within us make us happy? The text is saying yes. So that, that's how the story is, is set up here. So what is our spawn, response? Do we travel 
in fear or do we travel in intimacy? That's, that's out to you and me. Doesn't matter if you're a young Christian, an old Christian, where, what age you are, it doesn't matter. What will I embrace with God? Fear or intimacy? Because the text is going on and says this, see that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on heaven, earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? That's a pretty powerful statement. But no, see that you do not refuse. And so the reality is, is that we can refuse. You're not robots. You ever fill in, you know, your visa card and all that kind of stuff, and then at the bottom it says, are you a robot? you got to check it. No, I'm not a robot. How do they test? Well, they'll put up a bicycle. All right. How many squares is a bicycle there? And if you can figure it out, then they know you're not a robot. We're not robots. So you and I have to choose. Choose the holy, amazing, loving God. We're going to sing a new song after that just expresses this God who's loving and compassionate. This wonderful God. You and I have a chance to say yes to him. Or we can say no. And we can do that any time during our lives. So it means we need to take our faith seriously and keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. Keep opening our hands, right? Not living like this, but living like that. Keep that position. That's what we're invited to do. And so I don't know. I don't know what the stuff's going on in your life, the challenges, but in, in your deepest challenges, you are still invited to say yes. God, I do not know what's going on. I remember Thomas Merton writing a, a poem, and he says, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea where I'm going. Thoughts and solitude. No idea. But I trust that you are there. That's what he says. He was a monk in a monastery writing that, Right? I have no idea what I'm doing. What am I doing here, he says. I need you. And so in all the ups and downs of life, we are invited to say, yes, I need you. Do not refuse the living God. No refusing. No rejecting, no turning away. Other ways you can translate that. No turning away. No rejecting. Okay, so the story is set up that way. We can become like Esau. We are all potential Esau's who sell our whole spiritual destiny for what? A bowl of porridge. I sell it all, man. I just want that. Just give me that. Give me that. I give it all away. Just want that. We've been there. Potential Esau's. Let's learn, trust, depend. Brings us to our text. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. That text, verse 29, is from Deuteronomy 4, I think verse 28. That's a lift. God is known as this big God. 
They quote it. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. So we see some characteristics then. First of all, what are the unshakable realities, we can say? If we are on a mountain that cannot be shaken, there used to be a, there was a minister, a very good minister at Knox Presbyterian Church downtown years ago, Griffith Thomas. I went with my parents to Knox Presbyterian Church for a year or two years ago. He wrote a book, and these are some of the unshakable facts that he talks about. We'll just slip through these. What are they? The fact of God's being and character, that's unshakable. The world can be nuked out, but God is there. The revelation of God in the person of Christ, unshakable, he wrote. The reality of Christ's personal experiences during his earthly life, meaning when it talks about him doing a miracle, he did a miracle. It's realities. For the redemptive elements in Christ's work, his work for us. Number five, provision of spiritual blessings in Christ. This is Griffith Thomas is saying, these are all unshakable. All unshakable. Six, the possibility of living a godly life. We can do that. Number six. And then finally, number seven, the certainty of the ultimate triumph of Christ, meaning that Christ reveals God and we can trust in him. So you got those? I don't know if you want to write those down. You don't have to. could do it. God's being, his revelation, reality of Christ, his redemptive work, spiritual blessings, godliness, hope. So in the middle of the Second World War, things are going crazy. People are dying everywhere. Thomas writes this book. It says, these are all the things that are unshakable. The world may be shaking, but these are unshakable. We can have hope and trust and confidence in God. So he wrote. So in light of that, what do we do? Well, number one, our text says, give thanks. Be grateful. You and I can live our lives gratefully. We can say our yes to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can do that in spite of all the crap that we go through. Grateful. Gratitude. The tenor of our lives. So what is the tenor of our lives? Gratitude or sadness? I remember having a friend. And the friend had a sister who was very sick. And because her sister was so very sick, my friend could not be happy. She would say, well, how can I be happy when my sister's not doing well? I can't do it. I can't be grateful. And so a choice for sadness. So can we be grateful when a relative is sick? We pray for that person, for sure. Pray for those things, but can I still have a heart that's open to God and say thank you? It's a choice. Can we be thankful? Can we be grateful in spite of it all? Priscilla says yes. Let us worship God, serve God. It's interesting, this is one of the big worship words. It's called latruo, and it means to serve. That's what it is, to serve. So to serve is worship. Will I serve God? 
And the image there is that we are all priests. Revelation. This is Jesus speaking. He made us to be a kingdom, speaking about us, priests serving his God and Father. John is talking about Christ. Christ made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He made us to be priests. He made us to know him and to serve him. That's Latruo. Latruo is worship. So when we serve God, in a sense, we are worshiping him. So will we embrace that? Will we serve him as priests? We think today of priests as being, you know, special people. If you're a Catholic priest, you wear a collar, you set yourself off. True, good priests. And then we can think, well, ministers, maybe they're priests. But the text here is saying that we're all priests. 1 Peter 2 to 5, I think, says well, you're a, a priesthood of believers. We're all priests. So we, will we embrace that? That I am a priest. How do you like my new suit? Come on, how do you like it? Why do I mention that? Well, the guy who owns the shop is a Christian. And he's a very vocal Christian. And he has praise music going on. And if you come in and you're sad, he just tries to make you happy. And he says, you know what? A lot of people refuse being happy and they leave. They don't want to be happy. You're too happy, man. And they leave. They won't buy a suit off the guy. That's kind of weird, eh? But that's true. You're too happy for me. I'll buy a suit down the street from the sad guy over there. That's better. I can just kind of empathize and be sad. We're all sad. He says, no, his name's Claudio. Claudio, no. I'm a Christian. I'm happy. I say that because he sees himself as a priest. He, honestly, he does. He's a tailor. But in his business world, he sees himself, first of all, as a Christian. If you want to know his, where he is, I'll tell you later because he's great. And you go meet him. You hear the Christmas music, Christian music? Smile, it's great. You can buy a tie for about 30 bucks, why not? Go there and just for 30 bucks. Even though I don't wear a tie. Cheryl, you can buy something. But he sees himself as a priest. I like that. That's his real vocation. That's his true vocation. He makes his money selling stuff, making things. He's a true tailor. People get married, by the way. A lot of them, the whole men's group, get their clothes and suits made by him. Does it personally. He sees himself as a priest. What about us? Will I embrace my priesthood? Will you? Made us to be a kingdom of priests. And then thirdly, let us worship God with reverence and awe. Present tense. Will we, will we worship God? Now, what does that mean, reverence and awe? Well, interesting, in Hebrews 13, there's a description of worship. Therefore, through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. We sing songs. We are confessing his name. Then, do not neglect to do good, a second part of worship, and to share what you have for such sacrifices, note, are pleasing to God or are delight God. God is delighted when we do that. When we praise him, secondly, when we do good, 
And thirdly, when we share our resources. When God sees that, he smiles and he's delighted. That's what worship is. So the writer says. Worship in awe and reverence. Okay, what does that mean? Praise. Do good. Share. So all of those things we can do. We can praise, say our words. We can do good. And we can share our resources, even a little bit. Praise God with reverence and awe. Our God is an awesome God, we sing. He truly is awesome, you know that, eh? Awesome. Billions, hundreds of billions and billions and billions of suns all around the universe, just like our sun. Crazy hot. Our God is a consuming fire. God likes fire, by the way. I, I'm convinced of that. Otherwise, why would there be these billions of suns? Somehow fire cheers God up, I think. <laughs> billions of suns. He's awesome. And we can praise him. We can worship him. He's a consuming fire, the writer says. So we come back to our verse as we end. What do we say? Well, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So can we say that? Can we say that for our own lives? That's the fundamental question. Deeper than everything else. Say yes to him. Live for him. Once we do that, it will work out. It will work out. The biggest question's worked out. May we say that in Christ's name, give our yes to him. May we know his fire, his refining fire. Man, I need his refining fire. Paul says, 1 Corinthians, just burn all the dross away. Just burn all the crap away. Just let what's really there sit. Man, that's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's 